It's another installment of Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, retired broadcaster. We've known each other for a number of years. We've uh, followed the markets, obviously, Ron professionally, me as an investor. And we were talking in our last episode, Ron, about how it's, uh, it's not out of the question to be a little squeamish right now. With some of the warning signs that are out there, we talked how governments are going to be backed into a corner with not very many tools left in their toolbox, with interest rates being historically low, with borrowing costs and all the rest of it attached. And you alluded to the fact what you want to cover in this episode is if you are an investor, should you be heading to the sidelines? Should you get out or should you just become more defensive? What What's the best approach right now, Ron? Well, the problem is that if you become... 100% defensive, and people have been doing that for the last five or six years. So they've sat on the sidelines and they watched markets go continually up. So I'm not saying that the end is upon us, but you know, if you take a look at most predictions right now, about 75% of them think we'll have a recession before the U.S. election in 2020. So it just looks to me like it's time to be a little bit more cautious on how you do things. Doesn't mean you have to go out and sell everything, but it's a good time just to sit back and reflect a little bit on your portfolio and do some fine tuning in it to make sure that it's not too aggressive and there's things in there that can really hurt you. Because a lot of the risks right now are undefinable. Will Iran start a war in the Middle East? I don't know. Will Korea cause some problems on the peninsula? I don't know. Will India and Pakistan that are in loggerheads over Kashmir, will that lead to a hot war? It has in the past. Will what's happening with the United States and China, will this continue to go on and on and on? Supposed to find out in March. Isn't that when Xi and Trump are supposed to get together, I think? Well, we're certainly going to find out. I mean, they've talked about having meetings, they've canceled them. So there's a lot of risks out there, which frankly, if they ranked or revved up a bit, could cause a lot of problems in the market. And since you don't know the timing of these events, you know, the Middle East is undefinable. Relations between India and Pakistan are undefinable. Relations between Trump and Xi, everybody thought they knew how this would end up. They haven't come even close to how this has unfolded. So because so many of these events have consequences which could be really bad, that's why you want to back off and do some fine tuning now while you have the chance. So what is the best approach? Uh, investors that are sitting with a portfolio that's in some fixed guaranteed return, maybe they're in GICs, maybe they're in bonds. Obviously people have stocks, some people have preferred stocks, a lot of different vehicles out there. What, what's the best approach? You want to sit down, and we've talked about this many times on Making Money. You want to review your portfolio. Is that where you start? Absolutely. The, the first thing you, you want to do, and I've got, uh, we're going to talk about sort of an 11-point plan today uh, to reduce your risks. And the first one is just to go through and make sure that you don't have any really large, aggressive positions at this point in the cycle. You might have some smaller ones because with rare exceptions, <clears throat> equities are overpriced here. And if we do go into a bear market, they're the ones that could lose a considerable amount of value. The time to get aggressive taking these companies off the table is now. Typically, when a bull market starts, you get the really conservative stocks that take off first. Then you get the mid caps, the ones that are a little more aggressive. But then as you get toward the end of the cycle, 
All these other stocks have had their move, and it's the emerging markets, often the more aggressive ones, that are having their, their big move, tech stocks. And these are also the ones that are the most volatile. So if you've had a great move in a stock and you've gotten a huge position in it because it's gone up so much, well, now is a good time to sit down and maybe trim that position back. Okay, that's number one. Move on to number two. If you have leverage or a lot of debt on your balance sheet, it's just a really good time to reduce it. So if you have a large margin position at a brokerage firm, you borrowed to buy stocks. Well, I can tell you that if markets go down, investment firms, the first thing they do is they take a lot of those stocks that you were allowed to borrow against, especially if they're aggressive, and they don't allow you to borrow against them anymore. They call the margin, right? Yeah, they call the margin. Also, they make it a lot tougher to borrow money. So if you're margined up to your eyeballs, now's a good time to back off and to take some of those aggressive positions and just go out, out and pay down some of your debt. That'll put you in a lot better position. And it will also do something which if you've got positions that are in a loss, you can also prune them off and take some of your gains against your losses. So it's a good time to do some tax loss harvesting and some tax gain harvesting. And if you're prudent and you're careful, a lot of times you can balance those two off against one another. Okay, let's move on to number three. What's your next suggestion? If you've taken some time to go through and pare down that portfolio, then use that cash literally to pay down your, pay down your debt and get in a more comfortable position. Uh, because even if you've got a business, you'll find when times are tough, banks often don't want to lend you money. Banks tend to want to lend you money when times are good. Even if you've got personal savings, you might want to increase your savings, increase your cash position, because if times are tough, typically you're not going to be able to get those loans from the bank that you'd get when times were easy. So by tightening things up and having a cash reserve, it can allow you to survive when nobody wants to lend you any money. Which is uh, what happens when the banks get tight. That's true. They hold on to their money. They don't like to let it go too easily. Okay, what's your next piece of advice? Well, keep your fixed income investments, GICs and bonds, uh, focused on terms of two years or less. Two-year interest rates are often as high or higher than you're getting on terms of five and ten years. So why take all the risk, especially, I mean, it looks like rates over the short term could go down. But over the last year, I mean, even six months ago, we saw we've 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 seen rates in the three to four percent range, and now they've come down again. So you want to wait until rates are higher before you lock in, and when rates are low and flat as they are, just stay with the short terms. You don't need to lock money up for a long period of time because you're not getting rewarded for it. And if you are purchasing bonds, stick with those with an investment grade rating of triple B or higher. Because here again, what tends to happen is that if times get tougher, often the rating agencies of companies are floating on that triple B, which is the essentially, if you're looking at ratings. That's kind of the bottom end of good ratings. Right? Yeah, it's the bottom end of investment grade. And so typically what will happen if a bond slips from triple B to double B, it goes from investment grade to what we call junk. And typically, if that happens, often you'll see the bond's value drop by 10 or 15% just right away. So if you've got bonds that are 
circling on the edge or preferred shares that are circling on the edge. Now's a good time to migrate to quality and to move away from some of the more aggressive stuff in the portfolio. Okay, now let's move on to your next point here. These are, again, 11 points that Ron's suggesting you you think about these very carefully in these rather uncertain times in the markets. And this is to be a little more defensible and uh, and have your portfolio in a position where you can stand to get up and look at the statements every month. What's your next point, Ron? Well, if you're in GICs, uh, sometimes the banks will have, or financial institutions, will have guaranteed investment certificates, but they're not backed by Canadian depositors insurance. And so you might get a little higher grade uh, interest or a higher level of interest, but you're taking on a lot more risk to do that. So if you're buying GICs right now, especially if you're getting GICs that have maybe a half point or three quarters point higher than you can find anywhere else on the street, then you want to make sure that you do your homework and you check to make sure that they've got Canadian depositors insurance. Yeah, that's when you don't want your money going away on you all of a sudden, and uh, even though you think you're getting a great rate on it. So it, this, it's, it's understandable that people are a little bit queasy right now, Ron. What, what do you suggest is the next move to make then? Well, if you're in preferred shares, there's uh, two things that I'd recommend that if you have preferred shares in your portfolio. Here again, move up the credit rating scale, and P1 and P2 credits generally are investment grade. P3, P4, P5 are at investment grade or below investment grade. So move up in the quality uh, because the risk is if you have a little lower investment grade and the company has a lot of debt, and that usually that's what determines their investment grade and their ability to pay, is that in a recession, their ability to pay goes down and their credit rating can go down. And you can really get hammered by these preferred shares, even more so than bonds, because they're, if, if something happens to the company, they're not as high in the scale of getting your money back as bonds are. So you want to really be careful in your preferred share portfolio to stick with P2 credits or better. And if you're purchasing preferred shares, focus on the preferred shares that have a fixed minimum dividend payout. It's called a floor rate. And so these many of these preferreds have an adjustment me mechanism which allows rates, if they go higher, they get adjusted higher in these preferreds every couple of years. But they also have a mechanism that if rates fall, the yield that you get on these preferreds drops. So you want to have preferreds, if you have these floating rate preferreds, you want to have them with a fixed minimum dividend payout. So that's called a floor rate. And if you get the preferreds with a floor, even if rates continue to drop, if you've got a preferred and many of them have floor rates of 4 to 5%, that no matter how far rates go down, the minimum they can pay you is 4 or 5. And if rates go higher, these also go higher. So when you're talking about preferred stocks, Ron, like we've talked over the, the past many months on making money about, you know, when times are uncertain and things go a little bit south, there are companies that sort of just have to soldier on, like the utility companies and things of that nature. Would that be a, a good area to look at for something like a preferred? Yeah, many of the preferreds, especially the ones with the uh, in utilities and pipelines, many of those have uh, a rate that is a, where they have a a feature in the preferreds that's called the floor rate. So if you're looking for preferreds, 
Look at the ones that where the interest rates can float, but that have the floor rate attached. There's many, especially the pipelines and uh, utilities. I mean, I can think of Enbridge. I can think of TransCanada. I can think of um, Canadian Utilities, Capital Power. They have preferred shares with a, with a floor rate. So they're the ones you want to look at right now because they have a fairly high guarantee that you're going to be able to get your money back because they have a pretty fixed cash flow. Typically, they're issued at around, most preferred shares are issued around $25. So you'll see them, especially the preferred shares with a floor rate, they tend to float right around that $25 mark, often between $24 and $26. They don't depart too much from that price. Okay. All right, let's move on to your next point here. Now, I'm not a gold bug by any stretch of the imagination. And the, the reason is that if you take a look over the long term, gold has been outperformed by bonds. It's been outperformed by stocks, by real estate, by a country mile. But we are in a very, very different circumstance. By adding gold to your portfolio, and this can take the form of physical metal that you can put in your safety deposit box or an exchange-traded fund uh, that owns the physical metal. But I think owning the physical metal is not a bad idea right now because gold is the only currency that is backed by an actual asset and can't be created out of thin air. That's why they call it fiat money. And many of the central banks and treasuries of the world have been creating money at a furious rate. And of course, eventually, when you create too much money, it tends to backfire on you. So at this point in the cycle, a 5% position is not an unreasonable amount to have in what I call your precious metals or the safety part of your portfolio. Okay. Uh, the age-old one, right? Have a little bit of gold when times get tough. What's next on your list there? Well, focus on companies that have uh, durable economic franchises and will continue to be profitable even under the most ugly financial conditions. Utilities, distilleries, grocery stores, school busing, garbage pickup, security services, primary health care. These are the type of businesses that make money virtually all the time. <laughs> all the time, unconnected by what's going on in the global economy. And so during times or late in the cycle, I like to have more of these kind of stocks in my portfolio. Often they'll fall a half to a third less than some of the more aggressive positions of the markets as a whole. And so you cut your volatility, you're not as tempted to get afraid and sell. We're uh, moving through Ron's 11 points to be a little more defensive in this market uncertainty. What do you have next for us, Mr. Hebert? Well, the last one is just, and as you talked about earlier in the show, Gord, now's a good time to sit down and just rebalance your portfolio. Typically, if you've been in a good bull market, there'll be some assets that you have that have really, really performed well. And maybe they've gone from a 5% position in your portfolio, maybe they're 25, 30, 35 now. Well, that's great as long as the markets go up, but if they go down, you can get punished. And typically, stocks that are more aggressive on the way up are also go down a lot faster on the way back down. So if you've had a big move, now's the time to rebalance your portfolio 
and to, to make sure that you're not overweighted in any sector, in any stock, or in any asset class. And just if you've written down, and we've talked about this, uh, so I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it here, but if you go back to our shows, you'll find that there's lots of shows that we've done on asset allocation, and I would suggest that you go back and listen to those shows about how to rebalance your portfolio, because that will do more than anything else to take the risk out of it, because when you rebalance, you're selling assets that are overpriced and you're replacing them with assets that are undervalued or cheap, which is what you're supposed to be doing anyways. And I always remember the age-old slogan, Ron, you quoted the Tubi a few times over the years, never be afraid to take a profit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, oh, we have a question here to wrap up the show this week, and, and this one kind of fascinated me. It came to us from Diane. I received a letter from my brokerage firm advising me that an ETF, Dogs of the Dow, which I hold in my TFSA, has been deemed non-qualified, and I must remove it from the TFSA. The letter also informed me that CRA will levy a tax of 50% on this. She's a little uncertain why they've zeroed in on this particular ETF since it's not a penny stock. I couldn't find any information anywhere. Uh, she's held this ETF since 2014. So what exactly? We've talked about the dogs of the Dow. These are the stocks that kind of underperform, and every once in a while, one of them breaks out, and you have a really good gain. Correct? Yeah. Typically, the dogs of the Dow is you take the, the stocks in the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and there's 30 of them, and you take the 10 that uh, typically pay the highest dividends. So they actually have an exchange traded fund, and if you go online, there's a number of exchange traded funds that. Uh, frankly, that's what their strategy is. They, stri they strictly, every quarter or yearly, they readjust their portfolio so that they own the highest 10 stocks in the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and there's 30 stocks there. So because there's so many dogs of the Dow ETF, and I don't know exactly which one you have, I'd suggest two things. Number one, I suggest you call your brokerage firm and, and find out why the thing has become ineligible. Now, sometimes uh, things will become non-qualified institutions because they don't trade on a major exchange, or it's because of how the company has structured themselves for tax purposes, uh, or if there's uh, shareholders where there's a, a shareholder that has too big a position in it. So there's a lot of reasons why a company can become unqualified for a tax-free savings account. So what you want to do is you want to find out why and uh, then see if they've made a mistake. If they haven't, then what you'll have to do is sell it and replace it with something else because, frankly, uh, those rules are pretty inflexible and they're not going to allow you to. Uh, that's a non-negotiable item for sure. Okay, Diane, hopefully that clears up some of the mystery for you. If you have a question, remember you can send it to us through makingmoney at cfcw.com or visit our website, which is now up and running. Let'smakemoney.ca is the website, and you can go to comments at letsmakemoney.ca. Leave your question there, and Ron and I will try to address it in upcoming episodes. Thanks for listening to Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert. I'm Gord Whitehead. We'll talk to you next time. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional.
The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.